Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. We've been praying for revival and viral revival. And that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, you've got your bulletins, you can pay attention to the screen behind me. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. We've read it each week, and we'll continue to read it. Psalm 85, verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? And what this message series is all about is the idea of revival. And maybe in your context, revival has some, some unique kinds of images that pop into your head. In my context, from my early church experience, what revival was, was you went to church every night for a week or two or seven. And, you know, it was a real exciting time around the church. And then the evangelist left and revival was over. Does that resonate with anybody? You understand that that's, that's really not the kind of revival we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of revival that is life-changing, that changes us, first of all, as individuals. How many understand before we can change a church or a community, we must let God change us? And that's kind of what we've been talking about all along. Uh, revival, here's some other thoughts. Uh, the word awakening, the word renewal. Uh, anybody, just let me ask you a question so I'll know who I'm talking to. Has there ever been a time when you need to be spiritually woken up? You've been spiritually asleep, yes, yes. I think all of us could say that there was a time. Renewal. Uh, making all things new, recovery, um, restoration, those kinds of thoughts are what revival is all about. And it all came about with a Facebook post I threw out a few weeks ago or a few couple weeks ago and asked the question, what does it mean when a video or a, a, a photograph or a meme or something gets shared over and over and over and over and over and everybody responded back, it's, it's called viral. Well, how many remember viral meaning something completely different from 20 years ago? That meant you didn't go to school because there was sickness going on everywhere. Um, I showed you guys the most viral video of all time last week. Well, this one's not exactly second because second I couldn't show you in a church context. This is like fourth. This video was, was viewed somewhere around 300 million times who you know i just couldn't stop thinking about it so yeah so you know I, I went to the fridge and i opened up the meat drawer you know what the meat drawer is right well i'll tell you what was in there you know that bacon that like maple that maple flavor yeah so i took that out i thought i know who would like that me so i ate it Nope, not kidding. You know, I also noticed there was some beef in there. Yeah, you know, steak, you know, juicy. Well, I ate that too. But I went back to the fridge just a few minutes ago. 
and I put something together really special. You're gonna love this one. I took some chicken. I put some yeah, I put some cheese on it, and I covered it with I covered it with cat treats. Then guess what? I gave it to the cat. Now here's what you need to understand. There are 1.8 billion, with a B, billion active Facebook users. And that's, that's the best we could come up with. That's the most significant thing we could show is a dog trying to react to bacon. Even though we love us some bacon, don't we? Come on, somebody. Social networking. Hey, when I was a kid, you know, I guess I'm dating myself a little bit. You know what my social network was when I was a kid? It was go outside, don't come home till the streetlights come on. That was my social network. So we've been praying for God to do something just unique and special and that he would take what he's doing here and spread it throughout our whole church. And he would spread it throughout our community. Um, I go on Sunday mornings and I pick up uh, Ron and Lydia. And in order to do that, I pass four churches. And let me tell you what I found myself doing. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking, man, I wish all those people would come to LifePoint. I, I passed Journey Church and I said, God, do something. Spark revival at Journey Church today. I passed the cross and I said, do something unique at the cross this morning. I passed the Orchard Church, and I said, do something unique and special at the Orchard Church and the Summit Church. Listen, I, how many understand that we're not talking about a just do something here and fooey on everybody else? I'm talking about God doing something in our community that changes the fabric of where we live in our community, our county, and our country. So that's what that's all about. Because here's, here's what this week's going to teach you and teach me. I I want God to do something in you. But I don't believe it stops there. I believe that God wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. I believe God wants to use each and every one of us to do something unique and incredibly powerful, not only in our church, in our community, in your families, in your places of business, in your schools. I believe God wants to do something not just in you, but through you. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, So you'll remember from last week, if you were here, uh, one of the points from last week was revival happens when the message of the gospel is reignited in the hearts of God's people. When the message of the cross becomes so predominantly prioritized in your life and in mind that other less important things kind of move to the back burner. I'm talking about revival that causes you to think clearly about the message of the cross, the message of the gospel. In a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate the message of the resurrection, the message of Jesus, that it becomes so alive in your hearts that church can no longer be a Sunday morning experience. It becomes so ignited in your heart that it takes, that it goes with you everywhere you go. It goes with you into your places of business, into your schools. The message of the cross. And, and I hope that you're here and you've, your life has been transformed by the power of that cross. And if it has, man, can I tell you, that message ought to go out with us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, in order for a, a, a YouTube video or a, a silly animal video 
or a Facebook meme, in order for that to go viral, there's one thing it has to have. See, it can't just be cool. It can't just be funny. It can't just have good information. It just can't be a beautiful picture. It must have an audience. It must have a group of people who are so engaged in that video that they're willing to not only consume it, but to share it. And and I'm afraid in many ways that the, the church in North America has become a church of consumers. We'll come to church and we'll enjoy the singing and we'll try to get something out of the teaching and we enjoy hanging out together in the community. But it sometimes stops there. And I'm telling you that in order for revival to really happen in our church, in our community, in this city, in this county, in this country, that there must be a group of people that not only engage it, but share it with an audience. So who's our audience? Who's our audience? Well, let's ask Jesus. Because he spoke to, uh, to us about our audience in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and verse 38. He says, uh, the, <clears throat> the Bible says, Then he said to his disciples, Jesus is speaking, The harvest is plentiful. Listen to me. You don't have to look far for an audience. The audience is, is everywhere you go. Everybody in this building has a circle of influence. And there are people that you know. There are people that may live in your home, live in your neighborhood, go to school with you, go to work with you. That are the harvest. That are the audience. You don't have to look very far. We live in the most churched city. Atlanta is the most churched city in the United States. And still, 78% of our population doesn't go to church regularly anywhere. So you don't have to look very far. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. But... The workers are few. See, it's not the fact that there's not an audience. The problem is there's not enough people who have moved beyond Christian consumerism and and are now engaged in the message enough to share it. So it's not a question that there's not an audience. There's just simply not enough people to share. The Bible goes on to say, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore. To send out workers into his harvest field. That's me and you. That's me and you. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. See, I wonder if we can answer like the prophet Isaiah answered in Isaiah 6 and verse 8. He said, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? I wonder if God's still asking that question. There's this harvest. there's There's this audience that needs to hear this message. Whom Shall I send? I wonder if he's still asking that question. And who will go for us? And then here's what Isaiah said, and here's what I pray you and I say today. Here am I, Lord. Send me. You know what I'm worried about? I'm I'm worried. I sound like I grew up in Appalachia. I'm worried. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried that we're saying, Lord, there's a big harvest. Send them. Send Pastor Dwayne. Send Sean and Mikey. Send Joy. Send Donna. Send Tracy. No, no, no. That's not. I'm just going to tell you, that's not going to work. Here am I, Lord. Send. Send me. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because here's the deal. Genuine revival is more about what happens outside the church. 
See, man, I want you to come here, and I want you to experience God, and I want you to leave feeling encouraged. I want you to leave feeling like, hey, you're glad that you came to the house of the Lord. But, man, can I just tell you, if that all stops when you cross that door, that's not revival. That's a country club. That's emotion. If you don't leave changed, if you don't leave on mission, if you don't leave on purpose, then, then it's, it's certainly, I don't know what you call it, but you can't call it revival. It's just church. Can I just bear my heart with you a little bit? I don't want to come here and preach a sermon every, every week. If we can't experience not only just the feeling of God, but leave on mission for God, I need to find something else to do. You know, you, can I tell you, I'm, I'm not willing to give my life to make you feel good every week. I am willing to give my life if we'll leave on mission. If we'll leave on purpose. If we'll leave having understood that our, the work of the church is not in this building, on this campus. The equipping of the church takes place on this campus. The work of the church happens outside. Outside. In order that, for that to happen, I told you last week that in order for life change to happen, lifestyle change must happen. Man, and I was so excited. I saw, I saw people because if you were here last week, we saw... We saw uh, Folks letting go of some hurts and some habits and some addiction and some resentment and unforgiveness and sin and just stuff. You know, I don't, I don't know why I've got to put a label on everything, but sometimes it's just stuff. Just how many of you just sometimes you've walked in with some stuff? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that it's okay to walk in with stuff as long as we don't walk out with it. And I saw on Facebook people trying to lay down habits and lay down addictions, and that's cool. And I'm sure the devil's hit you in the, in the mouth for trying to do that, and I get it. But here's, here's the deal. If he's going to change your life, you've got to change your lifestyle. And that's what it looks like outside the church. See, he may call some of you to be a little more generous. He may call some of you to be more kind. He may call some of you to experience to exhibit a little self-control. Anybody, is that an issue for anybody but me? Self-control. The worst thing, can we just be friends? Anybody have a hard time controlling this? And that sometimes your mouth says things that, you know, didn't, it might have been in your brain, but it didn't, you didn't let it filter through your heart and you just started spilling it out. You know what the Bible calls that? Um, no, the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. See, when God does a work on the inside, guess what starts happening? It, it changes the way you speak. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you behave. It changes the way you respond. So you may be calling some of you to be a little kind. Some of you to watch how you say things. See, I believe also that self-control is just not just stopping doing what you're not supposed to. I believe self-control is starting doing what you are supposed to. And see, I, I really believe that that's where God's going to take some of us today. Um, 
So I, I think that revival outside the church comes with a lifestyle change in us as believers. And I also believe that what really has to happen is we have to gain an eternal perspective. I believe what has to happen is we have to have an understanding and a genuine concern of those who are far from God. And we're going to talk about that in in a little detail in just a minute. But here's what I need you to grasp. When revival happens, please, please listen. It's probably not about you. It's probably about not you coming to church and feeling good. Because if that's what you're looking for, can I, hey, there's, there's a lot of folks missing today, so I might as well run the rest of everybody off. <laughs> if that's what you're looking for is a feel-good thing, you, you can't read the New Testament and think that, that that's the kind of life that's going to make me feel good. Because I'm, I'm called to follow Jesus, who we read it was homeless, and who gave everything he had. Uh, we read about the, the early church that were persecuted and some martyred. And I'm going to tell you, now listen, that's probably not going to happen to most of you. But if you're looking for, for something that's going to make you feel good and all the time, I'm going to tell you that that's, that's not the kind of revival I'm talking about. I'm talking about a kind of revival that you would give your life for. The kind of revival, the kind of experience with Christ that causes you to change the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you treat waitresses on Sunday afternoon. The way you you love on your family, the way you love on your wife and your children. See, I believe revival is more than just a feel-good moment in a church service. Revival is an eternity-changing, life-changing encounter with Christ. And, And listen... When that happens, you, you not only become so concerned about your eternity, you, can, you, you get concerned about everybody else's. So, man, I've been, I've been all over this quote from Leonard Ravenhill the last couple of weeks. It's um, Leonard Ravenhill. Most of you probably never heard of him. He was an evangelist 50 years ago, and nobody liked him because he was very bold. Um, and, and he said this. I put this on Facebook I might have read it last week. I don't remember, to be honest with you. It said, where, oh, where are the eternity-conscious believers? Where are the souls white-hot for God because they fear His holy name and presence and so live with eternity's values in view? Where are they? Are they here? I hope so. I hope that the idea that your friend, your neighbor, your relative, your dad, your mom, your child may face a Christless eternity keeps you awake at night. Donna's been reading a passage of Scripture to our ladies, and it's kind of been their mantra this year. And it talks about the power of prayer. And and it's, it's, it's a... It's a very cool passage. It's Acts 4 and 31, and it says, And after they prayed, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And listen, how many would love to see God shake this place? Are you sure? Because listen, let me tell you, God God doesn't move mightily in in a group of people to show off. He moves mightily in a people to put them on mission. Let me read the rest of that passage. It says, After they prayed, the place 
where, the, where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Is that what you want? You want God to fill you in such a way that you leave this building speaking the word of God boldly? Well, Dwayne, you don't, you don't know me. I'm, I'm, I'm shy, and I get it, and I don't do well with one-on-one conversations. Can I tell you? I don't either. I'm much more comfortable in this context than this context. I know that's weird. I know. But that's just how it is. But I want you to listen very carefully. You know, we, we've kind of relegated the works of the Holy Spirit to spiritual gifts. And I want you to listen the most powerful thing the Holy Spirit came to do was to empower you. We talked a little bit about conviction last week, and I want you to listen and listen carefully. The Holy Spirit will never convict you to do something without empowering you to do it. The Holy Spirit will never convict you to share your faith and not empower you to do it. The Holy Spirit will never convict you to lay down addiction and not give you the power to do it the word the holy spirit will never convict you about stepping out and doing something you've never done before without giving you power to do it that doesn't mean it's going to be easy that doesn't mean it won't require you you know effort on your part because it will but he'll never ask you to do something and then leave you hanging it's important for me to tell you that before i tell you this because i'm going to give you a series of questions Before I tell you to go out there and share your faith, which is honestly the ultimate end of this sermon, I gotta ask you a couple questions. I I gotta ask you if if this is really what you want to do. If this is really what you're prepared to do, I gotta ask you in order to find that out, I gotta ask you a series of questions. First question I gotta I have to ask you is you have to ask yourself this question Do I care? Is it easy to just for the blanket response, yes, I care? Yes, that's easy, isn't it? Do you care about those far from God? And maybe I worded the question wrong because what I should have said is, do I care enough? Let me tell you the difference between caring and caring enough. How many of you have seen those uh, infomercials on television where there's a, a hungry child, uh, you know, across the water, Across the ocean, and you feel bad, and, and your heart breaks because this child is hungry. That's caring. But do you care enough to get up and write a check? See, there's a difference between caring and caring enough. So when I ask you if you care about those who are far from God, I really should be asking you: Do do you care enough? Do you care enough to be inconvenienced? Do you care enough to start an uncomfortable conversation? Do you care enough to share something that you you don't always feel comfortable sharing? Do you care enough to let yourself be uncomfortable? You have to ask yourself that question. Before I can say, yes, leave this building, go share your faith, you have to ask yourself, do I care? Because if you don't care enough, it's it's never going to happen. You can have the greatest intentions of the world, but if you don't care enough to be uncomfortable, if you don't care enough to be inconvenienced, then and it's just not going to happen. That's the first question. Do I care? Do I care enough? The second question you have to ask yourself is, do I believe? 
Do I believe in the God of the Bible? Do I believe that God created us all, that he spoke this world into existence and that he has a purpose and plan for every human being? Do I believe that God is the author and the finisher of everything that we can smell, see, touch, taste, and feel? Do I believe in God? Do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do I believe that God loved this world so much that he sent sent his only son to suffer, bleed, and die for us? And in a couple weeks, we get to celebrate his resurrection. Do I believe that Jesus came and bore my sin on the cross so I might have life and eternal life and life more abundant? Do I believe that? Do I genuinely believe that? Do I? Hmm. Do I I believe heaven and hell are real real places? (laughs) Do I believe that because... Jesus has transformed my life. I'll live forever with him in a place called heaven. And do I believe that those who die not knowing Jesus face a Christless eternity in a place called hell? You know what? People don't like to talk about that anymore. Dwayne, I'd I'd rather you not talk about hell in our church. Well, so would the devil. Do you believe it? Do you believe that heaven and hell are real places? Do you care? Do you care enough? Do you believe? (laughs) And maybe the last question is, have I been infected? You can't spread a virus until you own it. One of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Outbreak. It's um, Dustin Hoffman. If you've seen it, just wave at me. It's a cool movie. It's a cool movie, and you should watch it, I guess. Um, And in this movie, this monkey uh, comes across from from somewhere across the ocean and has this virus and scratches a guy, and then this guy sneezes, and then he goes into a movie theater, and it just begins to spread across this whole town. And there's this point in the movie where they say, if we don't stop it, then it's going to literally spread across this entire country in a matter of days. And they said, well, how do we stop it? We have to find the host. And the host was this monkey. We have to find the host because he's the only one with the right antibodies to, for us to have a cure. And, and so I'm, please know that I'm not calling all of you monkeys. But are you a host? Have you been infected so much that it doesn't matter where you go, the love of God and the power of Christ walks with you. Man, I've, I've been around some of those kinds of Christians who... Now listen, I'm not talking about that guy that walks around slapping people on the head with a Bible and a megaphone. I'm talking about people who've been infected with the love of Christ so much it comes out of their mouth when they speak. You can see it in how they treat people. You can see it in how their lives are, are, are just overwhelmed and, and been transformed by the cross. So my question is, do you, do you care? Do you care enough? Do you believe? Have you been infected? See, it, by asking if you've been infected, that means you've made a choice that you genuinely want to follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. 
You want to follow His purpose and plan for your life. That doesn't mean you live a perfect life. That means, how many know that, I don't have time to go down that sermon, but perfect people don't join this church because you'll mess it up. But you've made a choice to follow Jesus. You've made a choice to understand His teaching and to do all you can to follow Him. Now, now here's, here's where this might get a little uncomfortable. Don't raise your hand. But if you said yes to those questions, yes, I care. Yes, I think I care enough. Yes, I believe. Yes, Christ has invaded my life. Christ has, I'm I'm making a choice to follow him. Can I tell you that if you declare yes to those questions, then your response is not optional. A yes response to those questions makes you responsible. Responsible to what? Most people call this passage of Scripture the Great Commission. Hear Jesus' last words to us before He ascended to heaven. Then Jesus came to Him and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He was telling His disciples to do what? Make disciples. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So He's telling His disciples to do what? Make what? disciples told his disciples to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and listen and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you so did he teach in that statement was he teaching his disciples to make disciples and then teach them to make disciples is that and surely i'm with you always even to the very end of the age If you answered yes, you don't have to wonder what your purpose in life is. You don't have to wonder what you're supposed to do with your time, with your life, with your career, with your family. Your job is this, to make disciples. And it's not optional. If you've made that declaration, yes, I care, I care enough, I believe. I've been infected with the message of the cross. I'm following Jesus. Then your response isn't optional. Go and make disciples. And oh, by the way, if, if you couldn't say yes, man, man, listen to me. Don't leave this building today. If, if you say, Dwayne, I, I really don't care. Can I just tell you something? You fall in love with Jesus and He'll call you, cause you to care. Well, I'm not sure that I believe. Thomas said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You believe part of it or you wouldn't be in the building. God, infect me. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Man, I, I want everything that you are to infect everything that I am. And then leave this place on purpose. Last week I told you I was going to give you four components for revival. Here they are. Number one is a willing God. How many believe that God is willing for revival? Yes. In fact, let me tell you what God's not willing to do. God's not willing to allow people to go to hell. You say, well, well, Dwayne, isn't he sending them to hell? Listen to me. I'm going to give you a little theology class real quick. 
Everybody's on their way to hell. Here's how willing God was. He gave His Son to give people a way out. So if you go to hell or I go to hell, it won't be because God sent us there. It's because we ignored His plan. A willing God. How many believe God's willing? Number two is it's a ripe harvest. How many believe that the audience is there? And listen to me. They're in your world. If you don't believe me, pray one dangerous prayer. God, put somebody in my path this week that I can share my faith with. I'm just, just listen to me. Don't pray that prayer unless you mean it. Because He will. He'll, that's how willing God is. is he'll, put, he'll drop somebody in your path. At Starbucks, at McDonald's, at Chick-fil-A, on your job, in your home. He'll put somebody in your path. If you'll pray that prayer, God, send me somebody to share my faith with. And keep your eyes open, and he will. Because the harvest is ripe. Number three is a repentant people. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this is important for revival. See, I, I talk to unchurched people a lot. I try to, anyway. And, and when I ask the question, why don't you want to go to church? The answer I get far and, and above any other answer is, I don't want to be judged. I don't want people to look down on me because of the life that I live. If you're a guest with us today, I want you to get, forgive me for just a minute because I'm going to fuss. Well, first of all, I'm going to brag because you don't get that here. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Listen, because you can't be repentant and judgmental at the same time. And so we use words like repentance around here. Because I, I can't be on my face before God, sorry for the man that I have been and at times am, and judge you for not being who you're not supposed to be at the same time. It doesn't work. So here's what happens. When we become a repentant people, when we become a people who, who understand who we are without Christ, guess what? That, that judgmental finger-pointing stuff falls away. You can't do it. And so let me tell you what that becomes. That becomes a place where people are attracted to come because they know they're not going to get judged. They're going to get an arm around them, loving them, holding them, and, and, and letting them know that it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. We're going to help you. As we, you know, as we walk this path together, you know, you're going to grow closer. I'm going to grow closer. We're going to grow closer to each other. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's, that's what fellowship really is. We've made it about fried chicken, but it's about, it's about walking this walk together. It's about me growing closer to Christ and helping. And see, here's, here's what some of you are thinking. I, I'm not far along my path enough, far enough along my path to make a disciple, to share my faith. There's, there's two kinds of people you need in your life. Every believer in the building, I don't want you to listen to me because this is the truth. There's two kinds of people that you need in your life. There's somebody in your life that needs to be pulling you along, discipling you, mentoring you. That's why we talk about small groups. That's why we talk about coming to life group tonight. You're coming on Sunday morning to growth group. Wednesday night to growth group because there needs to be somebody that's teaching you the ways of Christ and pulling you along. But it cannot stop there because every one of you have somebody that you can that, that's not as far along as you are, that you can grab by the hand and hold them and help disciple them. 
Everybody needs those kinds of people in your life. You need somebody that's pouring into you. And listen, if you're not pouring into somebody else, you're going to get bloated and fat and lazy and useless. Okay. A willing God, a ripe harvest, a repentant people, and lastly, a transformational message. And listen to me. If you'll come back next week, you're going to hear that message in great detail. How many knows what what next Sunday is? Next Sunday's Palm Sunday. And, and, And there are fewer things I love to talk about more than the cross of Christ. There's nothing I'd rather talk to people about than the cross of Christ. And so you're going to hear about that next Sunday. Here's, here's how I want to finish this service. Man, I, I came across this scripture in Habakkuk a couple of weeks ago. And um, I guess I shared it on Wednesday night. I'm not sure when I shared it. I put it on Facebook. You know how I know? Because I put everything on Facebook. I'm one of those disgusting people that's going to show you my dinner. Why don't we do that? Isn't that stupid? Hey, look, I got a hamburger. And I know all of you people are real concerned about it. I don't know. We just do. But I ran across this passage of Scripture that became my prayer. It's Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk, you might might not have ever even read. Because it's just this little book tucked in the... In, in the back of the Old Testament, and it's, it's from this prophet, prophet Habakkuk, and this is his prayer. And I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. I love this, man. Listen, it says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you. Listen to me. I've, I've heard about the Great Awakening of the early 1800s. I've heard about the businessman's revival during the Great Depression. I've heard about them. Can I just, is, is anybody with me that I, 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 don't, I don't really care about hearing about it anymore? I want to see that with my eyes. I want to see, listen, right, right here, eyeball to eyeball. I want to see God in our community do a work that is so big, it couldn't be the work of one church or one man. I want to see God change the, do you know that Loganville and Walton County is one of the pipelines for, for drug trafficking in the southeast. Do you understand that? you understand how, many, how much drugs go through, down Highway 78 toward Athens every day? Do, do you know, do you know how, how many marriages are dissolving right around our doorsteps? Do you know how many children are growing up addicted in our community? I can't stop that. But listen. The power of the Holy Spirit working through people just like me and you can do more in just a short amount of time than than we can do in in a million lifetimes. Yes. I want to see God do something significant in our community. I want it to be very hard to go to hell in Walton County. Because here's what Habakkuk said. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. I like to read the, Old Te- the New Testament when it says that there were thousands added to the church every day. And that sounds so cool, doesn't it? And we think it could never happen here. Stop it. Stop it. It can happen. 
And I believe God wants you to have part of it. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray, and I'm going to tell you about what I want you to do when you leave this, this building today. Donna's going to come and play. We're going to pray together. Hey, everybody, take your connection card and hold it in your hand. You should have been given one when you walked in the building. I need you to do a couple of things with that this week. or I mean, excuse me, this morning. Take that connection card and fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable with. Everybody in the building. And then at the bottom, man, maybe if there's something you're struggling with that you want us to pray about, put that down there at the bottom. And, and listen, you need to understand, we pray for every one of those needs. We call your name and that prayer request out loud to God. Here's the other thing I want you to put on that card. Man, so many of you have talked to me about people you're praying for and inviting for um, to come Easter Sunday morning, which, which we believe is going to be a big day. Man, you don't have to give me, just get, give me their first name, who you're inviting, who you're, who you're hoping to invite, who you're praying for might come. If you just put their first name on that card, at that prayer request, I'll pray with you. God, do a work in, this, in, in their life. And, and hey, let's just see what God does, right?